We're in Hebrews chapter 3 this morning, verses 7 to 19, a little bit of a longer passage carrying forward. Open your Bible and read with me. Hebrews 3, 7 to 19, hear then the Word of God. And therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts, as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. And therefore, I was provoked with that generation. And I said, they always go astray in their heart. and They have not known my ways. And I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers and sisters, lest there be in any of you an evil and unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold to our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said, today if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt, led by Moses, and within whom was he and with whom was he provoked for forty years? Was it not those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they will not enter his rest? But to those who were disobedient. And so we see that they were unable to enter because of their unbelief. Pray with me. Our Father in heaven, we have gathered this morning, we have gathered to you. We have come together, but we have come to your presence, and we have come to hear your voice, to lift our voices in worship, but to hear your voice in power. Father, speak it into our lives in such a way this morning that we would have ears to hear and eyes to see. Would you soften our hearts? that we may receive your word in life-changing, glorifying ways. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Maria Salgado Lopez, 59. So I read out of an article. There are a number of articles to this effect. Maria Salgado Lopez, 59, of Scottsdale, Arizona, was with her family west of Mather Point on the south rim of the Grand Canyon. And while she was taking photos, she accidentally stepped off the edge of the canyon. The woman was hiking off the designated path at the time, officials said. I've been to the Grand Canyon. It's pretty awesome. There are signs everywhere. There are, there are signs, you know, near the visitor center and a lot of lookout points. There are signs everywhere warning you to stay away from the edge. You know, that there are, it's become a thing that you read about regularly, the uh, selfie deaths. And people who are trying to take, to get that picture, to take that photo, they ignore the signs and they step near the edge trying to get that picture. And it's often dangerous and sometimes doesn't end well. Last week we ended uh, our text in verse 6, we ended with a warning, if you remember there in verse 6 before what we just read, it says that we are his house if indeed we hold fast 
to our confidence and our boasting. We are his house. If, and the, and the warning is in the if. If we hold fast to the end. If we hold fast to our confidence and our hope. And this week he picks up right from that warning in verse 7. He begins verse 7 with the word therefore. And really the text this morning that I just read is, 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 is the uh, elaboration of this warning. It takes that warning and, and fills it out and delivers it to us and to the church. If we are his house, if we endure to the end. Now he is not saying, and I want to start here as a little side note, that he is not saying that it's possible to lose your salvation if you are truly saved and in Christ. He's not saying that you can lose it, so you better hold fast. Because if you don't hold fast, you'll lose it. It's not what he's saying. We have to be careful to hear what he is saying. right? He's saying that we are his house if we hold fast. If we show ourselves to be his house if we hold fast. We demonstrate that. In other words, holding fast is the mark of those who belong to Christ. It's the mark of those who hold and belong to Christ. If we are His people, we heed His word and we follow Him. And so, if we hold fast, we are His house. If we hold fast, because it is only His house, it is only His people who will hold fast to the end. And so we show ourselves, we demonstrate ourselves, we prove ourselves to be His people. The classic text explaining this dynamic in the life of the church, because it can be confusing. The classic text is from 1 John 2.19. It says this, they went out from us. Now, he's talking about the church. He's, He's saying, we are the church, and there are some that went out from us. Right? So they were with us. They were among us. They belonged to the church. They were probably members of the church. They were in the church. They said, they sang the songs. They sat under the preaching, they were there, they were, they were part of us. And it says that they went out from us, but they were not of us. They were here, they were among us, they were saying the words and singing the songs and, and, and sitting, but they were not of us. How do we know? For if they had been of us, if that was true, if they were truly one of us, if they were his house, his people, they would have continued with us. That's how you know that we are his house or we are his people is that we continue that way. They went out from us, right? But if they had been of, of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out. Well, why? How do we understand that? People that were among us, people that we thought were one of us. Right? People that we thought and understood you know, that they were a believer. It seemed like it. They were among us. And he says, but they went out that it might become plain that they are not of us. Right? It's not they're not of us because they went out. <laughs> they're going out showed they were never one of us. In other words, the mark of a follower of Jesus is that we continue to follow Jesus to the end. And someone who doesn't is not a follower of Jesus. 
We continue to hold fast to the truth, to persevere in the truth. They're going out, they're wandering off in rebellion and sin reveals a heart that is hardened by the deceitfulness of sin, which is what we're going to unpack here in a minute. See, the Lord uses these warnings. Sometimes people say, well, the warnings wouldn't be there if what you're saying is true. But I would say, no, the warnings are there to keep us on the path. Right? The path is following Jesus, following in his footsteps. Right? And the warnings are there, like the signs at the Grand Canyon that say, stay on the path. It's dangerous to go that way. Right? And so here, God throws up one of these signs and says, stay on the path. Keep following Jesus. Stay firm to the end. Don't go that way. Go this way. Follow him. Right? He uses these warnings to keep his children safe, to keep our hearts from going astray. They're like signs warning us. So the mark of God's children, though, is this. These warnings come. They, I'm preaching it to the whole church right now. Right? We, we hear these warnings, but the mark of God's children is this. They hear the warning, and they agree. And their hearts melt under it. I don't want that to be me. I don't want to go that way. Right? I don't want to experience those things. I don't want to show myself to not be truly among his people. I, want, I am his child. I want, to, want my life to demonstrate that I'm his child. So we hear these warnings, we heed the warnings, and we press in and we press after Jesus. And that's the way they function. They say, stay on this path. Or, you know, because it's dangerous to go off the path. And our hearts say, yes. Yes, I want to follow Jesus. John 10, 27, Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. Right, it's a mark of his sheep that they hear his voice, but also this, I know them and they follow me. So they hear his voice, and here's the problem with with that whole scenario we were just reading about in the church, is that many hear his voice. Many hear his word preach, sit under the preaching of his word, do Bible studies and such. But my sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. They heed the word. They obey the word. They want to be like Jesus. John Piper says, the way that we experience the power of God through Christ to work his persevering grace, and that's what we're talking about, the perseverance of the saints, that the saints persevere, and they persevere by God's grace. But how does he do it? What does that grace look like? How does he preserve his people, keep us and guard us to the end? And he says, the way we experience the power of God through Christ to work this persevering in us is through the warnings and the promises of Scripture. The warnings calling us to stay on the path, warning us away from the dangers that are out there, and the promises before us, calling us forward. It is through the warnings and the promises of Scripture. It is through His Word, right? The warnings and the promises of the Word of God. That's why the book was written. God doesn't work in us this endurance apart from the Word, he works by the word, by the warnings, by the promises. And believers hear. 
and heed the word. And he says, take Israel, for example. I did not heed God's word. Verse 8 says, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. He's talking about Israel. He's talking about God's people, the community of faith, those that he called out to follow him. And he says that their hearts were hardened. And in verse 10, he says, therefore I was provoked. And I said, they always go astray in their hearts. And that's always where it starts. They always go astray in their hearts. He's talking about his people, the community of faith. And he said, there were those among them where their hearts went astray and were hardened. And they did not heed the word. Verse 7 tells us that God himself is the author of Scripture. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, right, the Holy Spirit, he's quoting Psalm 95 And he says that God said it, right? That that the scripture, you know, you can take that verse, you can take any verse. It's not like these verses in Psalm 95, those the Holy Spirit said, but what about the rest of them? No, he's looking at the scripture, all of the Old Testament, I won't say now in the New Testament, all of it is God said. The Holy Spirit says, as he quotes Psalm 95, it's in spirit, inspired by God for our instruction. It is his word. And he gives us this direct quote. It's a direct quote. Interesting, verses 7 to 11 is a direct quote from Psalm 95, 7 to 11. Um, it's a happenstance. But there he recounts in Psalm 95. He is recounting Israel's rebellion and God's judgment. And he's quoting it in the psalm, quoting it to God's contemporary people as a warning. Take Israel, for example. Right? The story is familiar to most of us. It's a story of the Exodus. It's a journey of God's people from slavery to the promised land. Right? Most of us know this. In the course of that Exodus, Israel rebels, and they end up spending 40 years wandering. And their bodies, as he says, drop in the desert. I was provoked with that generation. They did not enter my rest. They didn't enter the promised land. And so the book of Exodus is where we hear that story, but 500 years later, the psalmist is taking that story and applying it to God's people as a warning for their own lives. And a thousand years later, the author of Hebrews takes the psalm and applies it again to the church and to God's people as a warning. And then 2,000 years later, you and I open it up and read it, and it comes to us. It's the same way as a warning taken from Israel's history, the way God works in the world, and the dangers of being part of a congregation and not hearing and heeding. The essence of the warning is there in verse 7 and 8. Right? The essence of this whole thing is there. He says this, Today, if you hear His voice, Do not harden your hearts is in the rebellion. Because that's rebellion. If you hear his voice, if you're a hearer of the word and not a doer of the word, it's rebellion. And he says today, if you hear, this is the warning, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, soften your hearts to his word, receive his word, heed his word, obey his word, follow him. 
trust him. Listen to him. He repeats this warning three times in the text. We see it there in verses 7 and 8. But we see it again in verse 13 as he's applying it. We're going to come back to this. And he says it in a slightly different way, but exhort one another every day. As it's called, again, today, if you hear his voice, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. But the same warning is there. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. He adds the deceitfulness of sins. And we see it again in verse 15 where he just quotes it again in, in, in its entirety. Right? He quotes it. He applies it in 13, and he just quotes it again in its entirety. This is the essence of the message. If you don't hear anything else from me today, hear it from God this today. If you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Soften your hearts. Or you're in rebellion, and your heart is hardening. Verse 7 to 11 is the story that he quotes, the psalmist is quoting, and The author of Hebrews is quoting the psalmist. It's a story of Israel rebelling in the wilderness. He says, you put God to the test, even though you saw God's mighty works. Right? See, the the warning comes to those who know the truth. Right? They understand the truth. They saw God's power. They're part of the redeemed community. Right? He pointedly asks this in verse 16. Look at verse 16 where he says, For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? That's the danger. That's the warning. To hear and yet rebel. To hear and not obey. To hear but not to heed. To hear the word but to not be doers of the word. Jesus said the one who who hears the word and does not put it into practice is building his house on the sand. But the one who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like the man who built his house on a rock. It will not fall. The warning comes as he pointedly says, who were those who heard and yet rebelled? And he answers his own question, was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? It really is an amazing thing. It's a startling thing. It's a sobering thing. It's a little bit of a scary thing. It's the generation that was led by Moses in the Exodus They experienced all ten plagues, God's wrath on Egypt. They experienced the miracle of Pharaoh saying, all right, you're free, you can leave. It's the generation that saw the sea parted. It's the generation that crossed on dry land. It's the generation that looked back and saw Egypt's army pursuing them hotly, utterly destroyed by God's power and and gracious, miraculous intervention. It's the generation that was led in the wilderness by a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire by night, the presence of God with his people. It was a generation that God provided food and water, manna and quail. Yet their hearts were hardened, and they went astray in their hearts, and they did not heed his word. It says, interestingly, in verse 10, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. They knew the truth. They saw God's power and his glory. They experienced it all. They went astray and they did not know his way. When it says that they did not know my ways, that means 
Not they didn't know them, they did know them. They had the commandments, they had Moses. Moses was telling them God's word all the time. In fact, the problem was they were rebelling against Moses and his leadership as God's man, telling them God's word. They knew his ways. When it says they they did not know my ways, they have not known my ways, what he means is, you're not walking my ways. They don't obey me. They don't trust me. They don't serve me. They know the truth in their heads. But their hearts are astray. It's a heart issue. So in verse 17, they're the ones who sinned. In verse 18, they're the ones who were disobedient. In verse 19, they were the ones who were lost because of their unbelief. They had the truth. They knew the truth. They may have even said they believed the truth. But their hearts were astray. And they were not heeding his word and his ways. And so finally, I'm on point three, but it's the longest point, which is the application. And so we've been looking at verses 7 to 11, which is the psalm uh, that he's quoting. In verses 16 to 19, he's explaining that psalm. Who were these people and what was it that they sinned and disobeyed and did not enter? In verses 12 to 15 is the application, and that's where we're going to spend the rest of our time. Because here in verse 12, he warns the church Right? In verse 12, he warns the church of the possibility. Right? He is speaking to the gathering of his people. Take care, brothers, sisters, lest there be in any of you an evil and unbelieving heart. Leading you away from the living God. And so he calls us to take care. Right? It's just another way we would say, be careful. Be careful. Pay pay attention to the warnings. Pay attention to your hearts, lest you find it has become evil and unbelieving. Not in that it doesn't know the truth and maybe even assent to the truth, but that it's not living the truth. It's sobering, my friends. He's speaking to the church, not to the world. This is, a, this is a message to the church. It's to you and I that we must be careful. We, brothers and sisters, or we may find hearts that are growing hard or worse. And more likely is that we won't notice our hearts growing hard. The problem with it is it is hard to see itself. We don't, we don't recognize it. We justify it. In fact, part of the hardening is a self-justifying of the things that we're doing and the ways that we're going, the things that we've stopped doing, the things that we're not doing, and the things that we are doing, the things that are filling our time and our hearts and our energy and or wherever our heart is going. And he says we must be careful or we will find our hearts growing hard to the things of God, leading us away. In verse 12, he he says that we will find an evil and unbelieving. He connects the evil in our hearts, right? The sin, 
the disobedience, the rebellion, or whatever it is. He connects it to the unbelieving heart. It's the same heart. The root of outward rebellion, it should not surprise us, is inward belief. Right? Jesus comes after the heart time and again. Oh, you whitewash the outside of the tomb, but the inside is full of death and decay. Right? It's a warning to us. Jesus is saying the same thing. The root of outward rebellion is ultimately inward decay. And he says, beware of painting the outside of it. You know, with dress it up in church clothes and take it to church on Sunday. Well, all the while, your lips, they praise me. They draw near to me with their lips. They sing the songs. They say the right things, but their heart is far from me. The life of faith, right? Because this is the issue here, the evil and unbelieving heart. The opposite is, is the life of faith, right? And the life of faith is not only believing in Jesus, but living according to the truth of Jesus' word and following Jesus, right? And there is a difference that Jesus himself makes and the scripture makes time and again. Saving faith is not just saying Jesus is Lord. Jesus is, it's not assenting to certain doctrines or truths. Yes, Jesus is Lord. Yes, he is the son of God. Yes, he died for my sins. That's not the essence of saving faith. Now, it is a content that we need to believe, I think, to be saved. But saving faith... Is not just saying Jesus is Lord, but submitting to Jesus as Lord and as Savior. Right? It's not just saying it, it's, it's doing it. It's living according to the truth that Jesus Christ is Lord and He is Savior and His Word is true and it is right. And I should conform my life to it, to Him. I've been predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ. This is why Jesus says things like this in Matthew 16 when he talks about what it means to be a Christian. He says, if anyone would come after me, that is, if anybody wants to be a Christian, if anybody wants to be a part of what I'm doing, if anybody wants to be a part of my kingdom, if anyone wants to come after me, with me, and let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. If anyone wants to come, he needs to deny himself, take up his cross, and follow. For whoever would save his life, and this is the problem, and this is the danger, and he warns us of it. See, when we say Jesus is Lord, but then we live like we're Lord, we do what we want to do, we follow our own ways, we satisfy our own lusts and desires and passions, we, we do what we want to do. Right? Anyone who wants to save his life like, and, and, and keep it for himself and be his own Lord is going to lose it. But whoever loses his life, surrenders it, yields it up for my sake, will find it. Well, what does it look like? Well, it looks like what he just said. Deny yourself. Don't follow your own ways and your own will and your own passions and your own desires. Take up your cross Another text says daily, every day, dying to yourself, being crucified with Christ and following him. 
The evil heart of unbelief is not someone who just denies the facts. They may do that, they may not. The evil heart of unbelief isn't necessarily someone who denies the facts, but it's someone who refuses to deny himself. Because they may assert and assume and assent to the facts and still not deny themselves and follow Jesus. It's more dangerous for a professing church person who knows the truth but not obey the truth than it is for someone who's lost in the world who may hear the gospel for the first time and second or third time and receive it and return. But the hardening of the heart happens in the church. To live by faith is to live according to His Word. It's to follow Jesus. Unbelief is to hear His Word and not live it. To not put it into practice. It's like building on sand. G. Campbell Morgan says, The unbelief that hardens a man or a woman is not his refusal to accept intellectually a statement of truth and doctrines. We have churches full of people who assert such things. But it is this, the unbelief that hardens a person is this, his refusal to obey the truth when it lays a claim on his allegiance, when it calls him to tread some definite pathway other than the way he wants to go. And that's where our allegiance is tested. That's where our allegiance is proven. Who is Lord? Him or me? Unbelief is when Jesus says, go this way. And I say, I'm gonna, no, I'm going to go this way. James 1.22, he says, be doers of the word, not hearers only. Why? Because you are deceiving yourselves to assent to the word, to hear the word, but not conform your life to the word. To know it, but refuse to do it, to be it. And so verse 13 is that warning, that warning sign. Take care, brothers. Be careful, brothers, lest you find this evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away. But exhort one another every day, as long as it's today, because so that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Right here is the sobering danger that our hearts, sitting under the preaching of God's Word and maybe sitting in Sunday school and Bible studies, the danger is that our hearts may become hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. My friends, we need a, a godly fear against or of our hearts being hardened in this way. That sin might have this effect on us of making us more and more callous where we can hear the God of, word of God but, but not do it and hear the word of God and not do it. And slowly our hearts become hard. We become insensitive. A hard heart is the opposite of a what? Of a sensitive and responsive soul that responds under the word, responds to the word. We need, it is subtle, we may not see it in ourselves. Most of you know the illustration, I use it again, it should rise in our minds of the frog in the kettle. And you've heard the thing that a frog is, um, what is it, warm-blooded, cold-blooded, it's one of those, cold-blooded, thank you. It's cold-blooded, frogs are cold-blooded. 
I've known this for some time. So <clears throat> if you put them in a pot of water and you start and you turn it up to, uh, to boil, the water slowly heats. But as it heats, the frog's temperature adjusts. It's the nature of cold-blooded animals. Its body adjusts. And so as it warms up, he adjusts, it warms up, he adjusts, he warms up, he adjusts, and before he knows it, he's boiling. And it's just because it's a slow process, and he just sort of adjusts along the way. He slowly becomes hotter and hotter and hotter. Right? There's a parallel here in the Christian life that we can become harder and harder and harder because it's slow and it's incremental, and before we know it, we're boiling. It's the deceitfulness of sin that, that it's slow and it's incremental. It's, it's subtle and it's insidious. And our hearts, in many ways, love it. How does this happen? He says it's by the deceitfulness of sin. It deceives us. Right? It's cunning. It's tricky. It lies to us. It tells you happiness lies this way. When Jesus says, go this way. It says you'll have more fun this way. When Jesus says, you'll have more joy if you go this way. Right? It lies to us and the hook goes into the mouth. We take the bait, the hook goes in, and we're pulled off path, off the trail, off of following. It is, it lures us, it woos us, right? It, it tells us that happiness lies outside of obedience to Christ. Jesus says obedience to him and growing life of holiness, of knowing him and loving him and worshiping him is, is what we were made for and it's where true happiness and satisfaction and all that is found. But sin says, but you won't really be happy unless you get this. That's not on the path. So you're just going to have to take it for yourself. We want something more. We want something else. We've come to love something else or more. We love this thing more than we love obedience to Jesus. More than we love pleasing him, serving him, following him, reflecting him. James 1, 14, verses, chapter 1, verses 14 to 16 describes this. In very condensed language, it should be unpacked. There's a whole sermon right here in this verse. Each person is tempted to go off course, when he is lured and enticed. It's deceitful. It, it looks good. It may taste good. It may feel good. It may be pleasurable. But we're lured and we're enticed by our own desire. And when that desire has conceived, it becomes a little harder and a little harder and it gives birth to sin. And that sin, as it exists in our life, we grow harder and harder and ultimately will give birth to death. And that's why he goes on to say, do not be deceived, my beloved brothers and sisters. It will lure you, it will entice you, it will get its hook in your mouth, it will pull you over there, it will seem like it's a good thing in that sense, but he says, do not be deceived. It's a way of death. There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. And so he says, be careful about the heart. That's the warning here, brother. Be careful, brothers, lest there be an evil, unbelieving heart. Be careful about your heart. Watch your heart. Guard your heart. 
Proverbs 4.23 says, keep your heart guarded with all vigilance. How vigilant are we about what's going on in our hearts, what we're loving, where we're going, what we're doing, and how it challenges or usurps our love for Christ and our following of him and our obedience to him. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. So how do we do this? And he tells us at some level. He says in verse 13, But exhort one another every day, as long it is called today. Every day. When is it called today? Well, today was time of the Exodus. Today was 500 years after the Exodus when the psalmist was quoting it. Today, if you hear his voice, or a thousand uh, years later when the psalmist is, when the writer of Hebrews is saying it, or 2,000 years later when we're reading it. Today, he says, if you hear his voice, but he says every day, exhort one another. It's a simple statement. Encourage each other. But what it does is this. It calls for connection. Right? It's an exhortation to church. Right? The church, literally the word church is the word, Greek word ecclesia, which comes from a Hebrew word that both mean gathering. The church is literally the ecclesia of God, the gathering of God's people. In the Old Testament, God gathered his people in Israel, and in the New, he's gathering his people in the church. And he says you're to exhort one another every day. You can't do that at home by yourself. You can't do it out there. And he says, basically, don't be out there. There are no lone rangers. You can't obey this verse unless you're connected to, the, to believers and to the church. Believers are the church. Everyone needs to encourage each other every day. There's this connection. Ephesians, or Colossians chapter 3, verse 16 says this, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Well, how does this happen? Teaching and admonishing one another. Right? We do it in Sunday school. We do it in small groups. Right? We do it on Sunday morning in the sermon. We do it when we meet one-in-one for coffee or for accountability. And we, we speak the word of God to each other. We hold each other accountable. We are, we're in you know, understanding that word, reminding each other of the, of the call, rebuking and calling each other to forsake our sin and to follow Jesus. You have to have people close enough to you to tell you the truth. Because the truth is, you may not recognize that your heart has gotten hard and that you're justifying things in your life that you ought not to be justifying. That you've stopped fighting somewhere where you ought to be fighting. You're in, or you've stopped doing things that you ought to be doing. And often what we need is somebody who stands in our blind spots, sees our blind spots to tell us, to encourage one another every day while it's called today. It's one of the ways that God keeps us. In other words, that Word of God comes in the preaching of the Word and it comes from one another. One way we know that our heart is growing hard is that we will no longer listen to faithful friends, to believing friends, to people who love us because we don't want to hear the truth. It makes us feel guilty. It makes us feel ashamed. 
makes me angry. Romans 10.17 says this, Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Faith, the opposite of unbelief, the unbelieving hardened heart. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It is the word of God at the center of our lives as it dwells in us richly, as it's preached to our souls, as it's reminded to us and studied and chewed on and digested. As we hear his word and we obey. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing in the word of Christ, the life of faith has to be nurtured and encouraged. It needs to be fed and and nourished. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The food of the soul is the word of God, and the believer is sensitive to that word, responsive to that word, loves that word, wants to be that word, wants to do that word. My sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. Jumping ahead. Today, he says, do you hear the urgency? Today, if you hear his voice. Today, right now, if you hear his voice. Encourage one another every day. There's an urgency in what is being said to us. He's like, now, before it is too late, hear and believe. Right? Hear and respond. Hear and obey. He's telling us frogs to wake up. The water's getting hotter. And you need to pay attention to it. You need to know it. If you can't feel it for yourself, let me tell you. It's getting the water not fine in here. It's telling us to wake up. Is your heart soft and responsive to Jesus Christ? Is your, is your heart soft and responsive to the Word of God? Do you, do you hunger for it and long to do it and to be it? See, the issue is an issue of the heart. My friends, how is your heart? He calls us to hold fast, to strive to enter, to go on to maturity, to seize our hope, to encourage one another. He says, we know we are his house. We know, as he says in verse 14, that we have come to share in Christ. If indeed we hold to our original confidence to the end, we know it if we persevere in faith and obedience in following Jesus. Do you hear his voice today? And if you do, can you say, will you say with David, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, please. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Uphold me with a willing heart. I believe Help my unbelief. Soften my heart. Melt me. Mold me. And give me the grace to stand. Pray with me. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word that is living and true. Oh God, may we have hearts that are soft and responsive. I pray today, Father, if there are any who hear your voice, 
that they would not harden their hearts, but they would pursue help and grace, that they would pursue faithful believing brothers and sisters, that they may be encouraged every day on the right path in the right way. Give us ears to hear, eyes to see, hearts that respond. Give us the grace to stand, to see our own hearts that you might create in us a clean one, a new one that loves and follows and responds to you. For we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen.